Hello, Purse Strings listeners. Thank you for listening to WebmasterRadio.fm's most decorated radio series. Discover the Purse Strings listening experience in a brand new way. Introducing the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, now available for iPhone and Android. Listen to new episodes live every week or download any of the over 200 past episodes or sample from our extensive library of radio shows that every internet marketer should check out without opening up your purse. Download the webmasterradio.fm mobile app in the iTunes store or in Google Play today. Want to become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Whether she's a Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter, we'll untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, senior principal at Carmichael Lynch Spong, as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Good afternoon. Welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You catch Purse Strings every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week, you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful con- Consumer in the country, the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending, the woman. Well, a shout out to Shauna Siegel. Shauna, thanks so much for having me on your show. Shauna's show um, actually is right before mine each and every week, and we talked a little bit about women and e-commerce, and I appreciated the opportunity to share some insights around how e-tailers can connect with women, especially moms, knowing how much moms control, um, particularly online spending. So thanks again, Shauna. And just some information today from the New York Times, an article by Leslie Kaufman and Tanzina Vega. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the digital content new upfront. It's basically digital's answer to the upfronts that the networks put on each and every season. And what was interesting is we've known that content is king online for a very, very long time. Well, now major media companies like Condé Nast, The Wall Street Journal, and Univision are presenting original programming to advertisers for the very first time. Now, we've known about Netflix and some of their original programs that have done really, really well. And companies for a long time have been producing web content. Hulu and Yahoo have been doing that as well. Well, guess what? They're also expanding their offerings. There are 11 new internet programs coming from Yahoo, 14 new ones from AOL, and 30 from Condé Nast. Kind of crazy. Uh, What's happening is... um, they're trying to attract more eyeballs. Well, the challenge is, of course, that now there's going to be so many shows that a lot of advertisers are a little bit concerned that um, it's going to fracture the audience even more. That does, of course, impact the the dollars that they can attract, which is the whole reason the content's being created in the first place. We know, especially with Condé Nast, a lot of those publications um, have seen decrease in ad sales and so we know that they can command higher prices for video ads than traditional online banner ads and so that's why they're creating this content. Well, it's it's kind of crazy. We don't really know what the future is going to hold. There's going to be a ton of shows out there. We don't know if the advertising dollars will follow because of the fractured audience um, and yet there'll be all this new Um, content out there. So you kind of want to keep your eyes on that and see how that develops. It'll be interesting to see if the the money follows the content. 
Um, our post profile today is the Coach Queen, and she's watching a lot of shows. I can guarantee you that. There's 1.6 million of those women out there in her mid 30s, staying at home, uh, raising those kids uh, with a household income of more than $115,000. They are very focused on their home and travel and they're interested in the arts. But family really is the number one top spot in her heart. And that's really what a lot of her purchasing surrounds around is her family. Um, She's out there looking for the best price and her friends truly do influence what she purchases um, as well as the store, the physical store environment. She's reading a lot of magazines, um, getting a lot of her influence from those magazines, um, as well as online um, and TV shows like Food Network, HDTV, and TLC. Well, my guests for this program, uh, Lise Elliott is an associate professor of neuroscience at the Chicago Medical School of Rosalind Franklin University, and she's also an author of two books, Pink Brain and Blue Brain, and what's going on in there. And we're kind of taking a different tack today on Purse Strings. We're going way back to childhood to talk about the development of the brain and our decisions as to what what we like and what we don't, what we're attracted to and what we're not. And um, Lise and her team have created some pretty interesting research around this that I think that you'll find pretty interesting, especially for those of you focusing on women and what drives us um, to do what we do. So more from Lise Elliott when Purse Strings returns after the break. Okay, time for something we can all relate to. Shopping. Her strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Aim clear. This is how you sell with social. Have you tried to do CPA conversions using social PPC and failed? <laughs> You're not alone. These days, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube require true specialists to dominate. <laughs> Aim clear. The agency brings definitive psychographic targeting, bleeding edge creative, and killer content amplification to the social advertising table. Aim clear. This is how you sell with social. Aim clear. This is how you sell with social. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the 17th Annual International Web Award Competition. Web Marketing Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site. Visit www.webaward.org to nominate your company, site, or organization. The call for entries has begun, and the deadline to enter is May 31st, 2013. Go to www.webaward.org and sign up today. Hi, this is Victor Pitts, host of Domain Masters, one of the longest-running radio shows on webmasterradio.fm. We'll show you how to utilize domains to drive traffic to your business, plus we'll discuss power tools of the trade for the power players of the industry. Domain Masters, on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. 
First Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Welcome back to the program. Lise Elliott joins me today. Lise is the Associate Professor of Neuroscience Science at the Chicago Medical School of Rosalind Franklin University. And in, in, in addition to all the teaching and writing that she does, she also lectures on children's brain and mental development. And is the author of two books, Pink Brain, Blue Brain, and What's Going On in There. Lise, welcome to the program. Thanks, Maria. Good to be here. Well, I'm really happy to have you. I think this is a fascinating topic, the whole nature versus nurture. And as an associate professor of neuroscience, you might not necessarily be the obvious fit on a Marketing to Women radio show, but I really do believe that your study of children's brain and mental development really does eventually do have an impact on who we become as adults, and it really impacts everyone listening today as moms, dads, spouses, working professionals, and consumers. And I'm just curious what your research shows um, on the mix of which one impacts us the most, uh, you know, that nurture versus nature topic. It's endlessly fascinated. I, I feel like I've been studying my whole academic career, <laughs> whether it's to do with gender or personality or intelligence. We're all interested in nature and nurture, especially parents. I know you have a lot of uh, uh, moms listening. So um, I guess um, what surprised me is that uh, from a layman's perspective, there really isn't, I think, enough appreciation of the role of nurture when it comes to gender. We all believe in nurture when it comes to education and when it comes to sports and, you know, like, you know, you want your child to develop all their strengths. But when it comes to gender, we still cling to these hardwired beliefs. And I think that's because you know, as I say in my book, sex differences are sexy. When we're in our 20s and 30s, we or teens, we want to emphasize these sex differences because we're trying to be uh, attractive to the opposite sex. But the truth is, if you really look uh, both at the psychology as well as the brain structures, the differences between males and females are really quite small. And whatever trait you're measuring, you know, whether it's personality or intelligence or even athleticism, uh, the overlap between males and females is always much bigger than the actual difference between groups of men and women. So I think that's very important for parents to appreciate because gender really creates straight jack for our children. You know, mm-hmm. boys can only do certain things, girls can only do certain things. And parents have appreciated this over the last generation or two in terms of giving our daughters much greater latitude to become athletes, to become scientists, you know, become engineers. But um, we haven't done that for our sons. And so, in fact, the definitions of masculinity, I feel like, are getting narrower and narrower as women move into more and more uh, traditionally male areas. And that's not doing our sons any favor, especially when you look at the uh, job opportunities of the future, which very much depend on communication skills. Right. And you're right. I mean, we do have these long entrenched assumptions that I think when we look at boys and girls, we just think are truths, universal truths. And your book, Pink Brain, Blue Brain, really did bust those general perceptions about that hard wiring, as you mentioned before. I think one of the things that we all assume is that boys are better at math and science and girls are not as competitive, they're better at reading, but boys lack empathy. I mean, do you think these assumptions are then 
really just based on stereotypes. And there's, as you said, there's not, there's a little, there's not that much that's different about the boy brain and the girl brain. Exactly. Um, in fact, math scores, there is no difference in, in the United States and, and many other countries between boys and girls, math performance. Um, so that is uh, clearly a, uh, a myth and a stereotype. Empathy is the ability to read uh, another person's emotion. And there's very little difference between males and females, even though we like to think that women are much more intuitive, that women are much more in touch with uh, their own feelings and other people's feelings. That, a lot of that is subjective. If you ask somebody if they're empathetic, yes, women will report they're more empathetic than men. But you know what? If you test people objectively, stick them in front of a computer with, uh, you know, with facial expressions, happy, sad, and so on, um, there's really very little difference between men and women, and especially children. Um, if these differences emerge, it doesn't happen early on. It happens later in development when boys get toughened up uh, by their peer groups, by the culture, which obviously values male toughness and lack of emotional expression, and they kind of start tuning out to emotional sensitivity, whereas girls in their all-female groups kind of reinforce it among each other. And so we grow apart uh, based on the way we spend our time uh, from the earliest days of life. That's fascinating. And I know we do tend to kind of put boys in groups and girls in groups, and we do it um, informally and formally. I mean, we have single-sex schools where all boys are learning together and all girls are learning together. And it seems like that there are... You even talk about specific claims that people who support single-sex education put out there as reasons that this should be the case. Can you talk a little bit about those seven claims and why you feel they're not only misleading, but really there's no basic and basis at all in fact? Yeah, in fact, I think you're even dangerous. Um, there is a, a movement for single-sex education since about 2006. you I'm sure you're all familiar with Title IX, which is now 40 years old. This was uh, a law that forbids uh, gender discrimination in public schools. And once Title IX was put in place in 1972, it led to, you know, the elimination of uh, girls being shut off to home ec while boys went to, you know, auto shop classes. That was illegal to uh, separate boys and girls um, into different classrooms in an academic setting. Now, we still have you know, um, some single-sex gym classes if it involves a contact sport or, for example, sex education itself is taught in single-sex groupings, which I think is uh, appropriate. But um, for the most part, Title IX outlawed single-sex education. Now, in 2006, this uh, law was actually kind of loosened and weakened in order to permit greater experimentation with single-sex schooling because a lot of single-sex advocates were claiming that, oh, you know, it actually produces better academic outcomes. Of course, we've all heard of these famous prep schools that uh, all boys and all girls <clears throat> that do produce outstanding students. But the fact is, these are old, rich schools with a long tradition and large endowment. <clears throat> and when researchers really look at the data, there is no difference in academic achievement between single-sex and co-education. And then what troubles me, <clears throat> excuse me, is that um, uh, a lot of the bols uh, boosters of same-sex education, which actually is, as I mentioned, happening in, in public schools now, middle schools, high schools, and so on, that are resegregating boys and girls for English and math and so on, 
um, often base their claims on some very um, bogus, if you'll excuse me, claims about the brain, that, you know, boys are hardwired for activity and visual, um, visual spatial perception, and girls are hardwired for verbal, social interactions, and that therefore they need different ways of learning in order to best master the curriculum. But um, the real evidence, the real data on this is does not support that at all. The, as I mentioned, the differences between groups of boys and groups of girls in verbal skills, spatial skills, empathy, even activity level, there's much, much more overlap than separation. And so if you do separate boys and girls based on these claims, essentially you're teaching to the stereotype and end up reinforcing these differences that education should really be trying to break down. Yeah, and that that is scary. You're right. It is scary. And it leads me to ask kind of, I think, the obvious question. If we start out believing these things are true and kind of reinforcing these stereotypes, does it then eventually become a self-fulfilling prophecy that we're that we're developing? Absolutely. I mean, uh, so much about um, education and development is uh, self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, we know that there are studies of teachers, the famous study, uh, but done back in the 70s where um, students were randomly dis- uh, divided, and but teachers were told... Um, these are your bright students and these are your slow students. And even though there was no difference in IQ performance before the school year, by the end of the school year, the children that the the teachers thought were bright did well. The the children that the teachers thought were dull did poorly. So there's a huge expectation effect that goes on there. And, you know, teachers have the same gender biases that we all do, um, expecting that girls are going to be more compliant and and sit still and be better readers and better at writing, expecting boys to do better at math, expecting that boys need are going to want more hands-on activities. But because everybody loves better with hands-on, multi-sensory activities. And so giving those opportunities only to the boys shortchanges the girls, while giving the, the, the more verbal and literate, literacy enrichment to the girls instead of the boys shortchanges the other group. So... The, the fact is there's so much that boys and girls can learn from each other. And we see this in families that are fortunate to have both sons and daughters in the same family. Um, there's, there's a great deal um, that boys and girls can learn. And I would argue that teachers need to take better advantage of the opportunity of co-education to get boys and girls to actually uh, work together, befriend each other, you know, not encourage them to sit in separate desk groups or form partners only with the same gender and to stop the cooties and these beliefs that, you know, there's something wrong with the other group. So really take more of what I think you call a gender neutral approach and not That's divide right. based on gender at all. Yeah, that Absolutely. that seems to make total sense to me. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. We're going to talk, we're going to kind of transition from boy and girl brains and how they develop into men and women brains. Uh, we're going to tackle that topic when we come back more when Purse Strings returns. Okay, time for something we can all relate to. Shopping. Her Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Oh, yeah. 
My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. I'm John Ball, and I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link-building strategies work because we focus on relevancy and quality, and we don't outsource anything. Our in-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at pageonepower.com. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS, text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm, sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Your mission, initiate internet marketing measures. Your arsenal, the weapons of mass marketing. Weapons of mass marketing. On demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. I'm talking today with Lisa Elliott, Associate Professor of Neuroscience at the Chicago Medical School of Rosen Prince. University. She's the author of Pink Brain, Blue Brain, and we've been talking about how really society has put stereotypes on children, uh, making them more um, gender specific when really um, the research and the science isn't just isn't supporting the fact that girl brains and boy brains are that, that different. So that kind of leads me to the question, are men and women's adult brains very different from each other? Actually, they're not. Um, there's, uh, I mean, I, I know there's books out there, the female brain, the male brain, and there's, there's uh, another new one and it talks about, you know, how the basis of women supposedly more intuitive and empathetic. But, um, you know, the biggest difference between male brain and female brain is simply in size. The average um, male brain is maybe about 10% larger than the average female brain. And that's true from birth pretty much throughout life. Now, baby boys are about a half a pound bigger at birth than baby girls. Um, and of course, adult men are, are taller and heavier than adult women. So it's kind of a scaling issue that uh, males have bigger organs. If you look at the kidney or the heart or the liver or the spleen, they're all going to be larger in males. So it's hard to read a lot into the, the overall size difference. 
But if you're looking at specific structures of the brain, for example, parts of the brain that participate in memory or language or math, um, researchers have really come up empty-handed with trying to explain uh, what accounts for um, small sex differences in those abilities. And the truth is, because the uh, behavioral differences are small, you're really looking for a needle in a haystack trying to find the brain basis of those differences. The differences in um, brain activity between males and females are small and statistical. Yes, you can pick them out if you have a thousand subjects. If you have, you know, 500 men, 500 women, put them in the brain scammer and spend a million dollars doing this research, you will find uh, statistical <laughs> difference. But, but you know, the average person on the street, you could not look at their brain and know if that is a male or a female. That's fascinating. And I know as working professionals, I think some of us would say, but of course there are differences. <laughs> but it's also how we spend time and those activities can actually, right, train our brain. We become more experts in certain things. And so Absolutely. I'm wondering, yeah, so I'm wondering, can the brain be, in, be retrained then? I'm just curious about our ability as adults to learn and adapt just kind of based on how we spend our time. Sure, that you you are what you do with your brain. None of us is born doing any of these sophisticated things. Even even um, empathy, the ability to read emotion in another person, is heavily acquired through learning. You know, children who are severely neglected or abused do not develop the proper brain circuits to do this, and that leads to you know a lifetime of uh, interpersonal difficulties. Everything we do with our brain above the most basic reflexes like swallowing and coughing um, is acquired through learning. And when we learn, our, our brains change their physical structure. You actually increase the number of synapses. You increase the strength of your synapses. Um, and I think we all appreciate that. If you've been doing a job for 10 years, you've acquired a certain level of expertise that you know you didn't have 10 years earlier, and you contribute to the experience. And so if we do see differences between men and women, either in their interpersonal style or their problem-solving style, you can usually trace it back to the way they've been spending their time for the 20 or 30 or 60 years of their life. <laughs> But it's always good to know we can retrain those things about ourselves that maybe we don't we don't particularly like. So it's always good to know that that we're totally adaptable in that way. Well, absolutely, uh, and, I, and I think I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I just think that's so pertinent to women when it comes to things like uh, leadership skills. Uh, you know, if you're suddenly uh, put in a position of leadership. Uh, a lot of women aren't so comfortable with that because we're not socialized to take charge. We're socialized to be, you know, the more passive uh, partners. Uh, but with practice and determination and motivation, women can be outstanding leaders. Yeah, well, and yeah, that is for a whole nother conversation. <laughs> no, I've spent, I have spent hours talking about that. So I'll have to have you back on to talk about that. Okay. Um, but for those parents who may be listening today, many of us who are trying to buck the female and male stereotypes that we talked about earlier, you know, what should we be considering when identifying the right toy book, et cetera, that's right for our children and their growing brains, knowing that we need to kind of have to take this gender-neutral approach. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so you do want to look carefully at the books that we're uh, reading to our kids. There's a lot of implicit messages. You know, I, my kids used to love the old Bernstein Bear books, but gosh, they are really dated in terms of gender roles. Even Dr. Seuss, who you know is lovely and clever, is really quite a sexist if you look at his characters. Um, you know, the airhead females and the you know the doer male characters, whatever they are. So, and, and the thing is, I think we're sensitive to that for our daughters, but we don't tend to pay as much attention to our sons. But, you know, if we're really going to get true gender equality, we need to raise feminist sons as well. We need to have sons aware of the power imbalance in traditional. And not that it threatens what they can do when they grow up, but in fact, it, it, uh, it will bolden and enhance the quality of their relationships with the women in their lives, both their personal lives and their professional lives, if they truly, honestly uh, respect women and enjoy and like them as partners. No, but well, I'm sorry. No, I was just about just toys say, too. I think, yeah, toys too. I do think we struggle when it comes to to toys. Right, and that's because the marketing is so gender divided. Um, you know, I have a slide I show in my lectures of a picture from, you know, Toys R Us, the pink aisle and the blue aisle, essentially. Um, and if you look at the type of playthings that we uh, give our children, they really do in- reinforce these different sets of skills. So boys' playthings are active. They involve spatial skills, building, throwing. Uh, girls' playthings tend to be more passive, more about appearance, pink and dress-up and, um, and caretaking. You know, there's nothing the matter with dolls for boys or girls. You know, we all want our children to grow up to be nurturing and caretaking. And similarly, we want our daughters to grow up with good, strong uh, spatial and physical abilities. So we need to get them, uh, you know, athletic toys and Legos and um, so you you have to uh, kind of buck the trend, I think, and um, try to buy the more gender-neutral toys um, and, and try to cross-train your children as well. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with giving a boy a doll or stuffed animals or something to promote his, his nurturing and, and verbal side. Well, and that kind of brings me back full circle to marketing because, after all, we are marketing to women here on the show. You know, as marketers who are listening today, and and if we do, are marketers of products like toys and games and things that uh, parents will purchase and put in the hands of their children, do you feel there's an opportunity as marketers to help educate parents about brain development? and children so they can make those better choices. I think a lot of times it's just a matter of ignorance that we've always thought that brains developed in this way and and to to learn that the science isn't there is a little bit shocking. So do you think marketers, there's actually an opportunity for marketers to perhaps even differentiate their products in this way? Absolutely. That's a a a uh, tremendous opportunity to to buck these these stereotypes that a lot of young parents really are not happy about, but they just kind of go with the flow, or they have you know bought the 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 idea that these are hardwired differences. But there's certainly opportunity for getting beyond pink and blue as these color codes. Uh, you know, there's nothing inherent about pink that girls like. In fact, back in the Victorian era, the colors were reversed. 
blue was the color for little girls because it was sort of the Virgin Mary color, and pink was a muted version of warrior red. So that, oh, that's that the great. I color. had no idea. How funny is that? <laughs> so all of this is just cultural, and um, I think there is a great opportunity. In fact, in Europe, they're having a big campaign to break down the boy and girl aisles in the toy stores. Uh, because parents are finding it too limiting for their children. So I think if parents focus on the different skills we want our children to acquire, uh, the interpersonal skills, the, the literacy, the math, the spatial, um, and really think of targeting toys for those specific educational goals, um, they'll hopefully uh, get beyond the, you know, really uh, gender stereotype sorts of choices. Well, this has just been fascinating. I have to say I learned so much uh, talking to you today. And I I have a 13-year-old and an 8-year-old, both girls. And I've always been focused on trying to be gender neutral with them. And they gravitate to what they gravitated toward. But it's just so interesting to hear how those brains really aren't that different from boy brains. And, And it's just... The fact that we as a society have this entrenched perception, it's just good to get the word out. So I'm so thankful you were on today. Thank you for sharing your insight. And I do recommend people read your book. It came out, what, in 2009? Um, And you can get it on Amazon. And, of course, um, I'm going to send people to your website as well, Lise Elliott, L-I-S-E-E-L-I-O-T.com, where you can learn about your books. So, Lise, thank you for being on the program. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. It's been fascinating. And thank you to George, my producer. And please join me right here for another edition of Purse Strings next Tuesday at 3. Until then, make it a great one. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.